This episode is brought to you by GME. Since 1959, GME has been an Australian-owned family company and remains the only Australian manufacturer of UHF CB radios, with their products designed, engineered and manufactured in Sydney's northwest. GME's products cover a range of recreational activities, from fishing to four-wheel driving and touring, in addition to catering for heavy vehicles and agriculture. GME have released a limited edition range of pink products to raise money for the McGrath Foundation to assist in their tireless efforts of funding regional breast care nurses and supporting families in communities across regional Australia. You can find out more by finding them on Facebook, Instagram or at gme.net.au. Listening to the Central Station Podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. This podcast is brought to you by Ariad Australia, the perfect choice for the tough jobs. Ariat boots and clothing work hard, look good, and are so comfortable there's never a need to slow down. Visit ariat.com.au today. Hi, my name is Steph Coombs. I'm the editor of the Central Station website and podcast, and today I'm going to be reading a story called My Potty Calf is an Asshole." And this story has been contributed anonymously under the pen name of How Girl Cowgirl. I'm a bit of a hippie at the best of times. There's no denying that. So it's no wonder that, when faced with the prospect of raising babies, I like to break convention and embrace new age ideas. My potty calves were the perfect subjects to practice on. I've often donned that smugness in my stride as I breeze past bedraggled mothers and woolies, one screaming child threatening to spontaneously combust on her hip, the other playing skittles with the promo display in aisle four. I've too quickly passed judgment on those mums who look like they've been up for weeks on end, turning beet red as their kids ask the fat man at Baker's Delight if he's pregnant. I've seen women employing the most advanced ninja skills, coupled with some mighty fine negotiating and mafia-esque bribery, just to get their kids to put pants on. I was never going to be one of those mothers. My kids would be born angelic, would know how to speak several different languages before they could walk, they'd be schooled in world politics and be so polite you'd almost blush. Motherhood would be a breeze. My kids would have the freedom to explore their own identities to creatively express themselves. All I had to do was be a good role model. Right? Wrong. Dead wrong. Forget giving 15-year-olds plastic babies to care for in home at class. Give them a potty calf and watch their narcissistic dreams of raising miniature versions of their perfect selves crumble faster than Nana's apple pie. Mine did. Gary was my first. 
It started out like any idealistic introduction to motherhood. He drank regularly. He was sweet and affectionate. Loved to be with me. I tried to help him blossom by giving him room to explore, to develop his own personality, to not ever limit him with a no, but instead to help him find confidence in the world aided by a bunch of yes. Now it's probably a good time to mention that I was anti-smacking, so I would never, ever hit for discipline. I tried to impart worldly wisdom on my little calf with what would be considered a very Montessori approach. Then Gary grew up. Into an ass. It started with his enthusiasm for his bottle, which quickly escalated into him flattening me for a feed. Then there was the headbutting. The constant wailing for attention. He had the freedom to express himself, yet for some reason he only chose to express his negative qualities. Amplified. There were tantrums. Kicking. No respect for personal space. I thought I would try the crying out method. Let him dissolve in his puddle of calf tears until he exhausted himself and realised that it wasn't an appropriate way to get my attention. I sat on the veranda, reading a magazine, listening to his angry bleats from the yard. I commended myself for my strength and settled back to enjoy the sunset, with the woe-is-me orchestra firing up in the background. Half an hour passed. He was still going. Darkness descended, and bedtime drew near. I crawled under the covers. The little bugger wasn't showing any signs of letting up. Just before midnight, I cracked. With pillow lines crinkled into my cheek, bed hair and weary eyes, I dragged myself to the chook yard, stumbling sideways as he launched his skull against my knee. I crumpled to the ground against the railing, and with one arm wrapped around my legs, propping up my head, I held out my free hand and listened to him smugly sipping away at his bottle. He knew I wouldn't make it. He knew he'd won. From that moment on, even the thought of Gary brewed resentment. I saw the devil in his eyes. The devil, my post-feminist, new-age, tree-hugging, hippie cripe, had created. After Gary, there was fertiliser. The first, second, and third. I'm blaming that on some sort of bovine virus. The boss didn't fancy their chances even before he gave them to me, but he thought he'd at least give them a fair go. Then there was Buster. Good old Buster, bless his cotton calf socks. Seeing as Gary had annihilated my dreams of being super mum, all Buster ever experienced was pure love and indulgence. Which was great, really, because Buster was a little bit special. I overheard snide whispers about him around the homestead. Smarmy speculation that maybe he'd not got enough colostrum at birth, or maybe just not enough oxygen to the brain. Maybe he had some sort of mental retardation. I heard it all and bit back on a maternal lioness tears, then fled to the chook yard to wrap Buster in a bear hug, all the while ignoring the fact that after two months of parenthood, he still looked at me like I had parsley in my teeth, and calling out Buster had about as much significance to him as speaking Russian. I fed him all the mulberry leaves he could stomach. I sang to him, had my afternoon kips with him, watched him as he just sort of stumbled around life, a little bit simple-like, 
mulling over his thoughts of if he was indeed a calf or a duck or perhaps George the Shih Tzu's brother. Parrothood can wait, I think. Until the day when I can raise a potty calf to be a shining example of a well-rounded cow, my womb shall stay barren and my head buried inside any parenting material I can get my mitts on. Amen. Charles Darwin University's Agricultural and Rural Operations team focuses on North Australian production and business systems, offering current real-world knowledge and experience by delivering both full qualifications and industry-required short courses. Courses at the rural campus are designed to develop the skills required for work on a North Australian beef cattle property or in the top-end agri-industry while providing a sound knowledge base in the pastoral and or agricultural industries. They have dedicated staff who specialise in workplace training and assessment and recognition of prior learning. They will come to you and service some of the most remote areas of the Northern Territory. Find out more at cdu.edu.au. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or leave us a review. It really helps other people find our podcast. You can find our website at centralstation.net.au where we have over 1,200 stories published from across Northern Australia. All of our podcast episodes, a tourism directory for visiting an outback cattle station and training and employment resources. We're on Facebook at Central Station True Stories from Outback Australian Cattle Stations And we're on Instagram at centralstation.net.au. And we're also on Twitter at centralstation6. To discuss this episode with other listeners, head on over to our Facebook group, Central Station Podcast.